Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Riff Hard Podcast. My guest today is an old friend that I've done many podcasts with, Mr. Trey Xavier, who's a guitarist, songwriter, composer, and frontman for In Virtue, on top of being a very successful YouTuber. His channel focuses primarily on music creation with songwriting challenges, song breakdowns, tutorials, and more. He's also the editor-in-chief of GearGods.net, a one-stop shop for musicians in the heavy music community, featuring rigs of your favorite metal bands, reviews of new gear, gear news, and interviews with top-level artists. Let's get into this. Here goes. Trey Xavier, welcome back. Yo! Podcast. Yo. What's up, dude? How's it going? Oh, it's good. It's good. How are you? I'm great. What is this number... We were talking about this, like, number seven or six or... I think this is our fifth one that we've done together. Fifth podcast that the two of us have done, but we've got another one coming up later this year. I don't know. Can we talk about it now? Yeah, we can. Yeah, I mean, it's going to come out just weeks after this, so may as well talk about it. Yeah. And, you know, I actually I wanted to talk to you a lot about that anyway, so perfect that you're bringing it up. Cool. Yeah, so... (laughs) At a certain point, we're just going to have our own podcast, I think. Probably. We could put out a whole podcast of the podcast episodes that we've done together for other podcasts. (laughs) An entire season's worth. (laughs) Trey Al. Yeah. You know, honestly, when I saw that podcast that you put out, the songwriting one that I'm going on Mm -hmm. that I want to talk to you about, like, I saw that you were doing that and I was like, that sounds cool. I want to go on that. It's very uh, cool. I bet these are good. (laughs) That was my, my initial thought. What's the big idea? Not to toot my own horn, but like, it's kind of a thing. Like, why aren't there more of these? Why did I have to be the one to make this podcast? It should already exist. There should be somebody better at it than me doing this there are songwriting podcasts but none of them go into the process the way that i do and i'm not saying that to make myself seem like cool or whatever because i don't even think i'm that spectacular at it but i just was like why doesn't anybody go into these specific questions because i want to know like exactly like the order in which people work i want to know how they go from a little seed of an idea, a riff or a lyric or whatever, and what they actually do to it to get it to a final product. And I started the podcast because that's stuff that I want to know. And I was like, if I start a podcast, then these artists, like big they'll name artists, tell you. Will t- they'll tell me and they'll, they'll want to come on and do it because it's promo for whatever they've got. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like it's great that other people listen to it and like it, but I do it 100% for myself. Well, it's funny that that's your motivation, that basically you felt like there was a hole in terms of information out there that you wanted for yourself. And yeah. I guess I you know, had similar motivations with like Riff Hard and URM, like with Nail the Mix, like it was like I had just done Creative Live for a while, two years actually, and I knew what was out there on YouTube and... I knew what courses were available and was just thinking like there's a piece missing the piece of first of all giving people tracks to work on that are good a so everything up to that point was in the abstract like just watching people do stuff on YouTube and then also music that people care about by the people who mixed the songs they listen to like 
two crucial pieces that were missing. It was like, it's so obvious. Why is it not out there? And I was like, well, I guess I'm going to do it. And with Riff Hard, it was a very similar thing. It was like, there is a lot of guitar content out there. Tons. Yeah. And there has been longer than I've been alive. Like guitar instruction is not something that I have any claim on <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. But there was nowhere that like specifically focused on metal the way that we do. Like to where, yeah, there's places where you can go and learn how to sweep and all that stuff. And there's, you can find some down picking lessons here and there. But there was no like one place where you want to learn how to fucking play metal all of it from down picking to sweeping to whatever there's no place for it why that's so stupid <laughs> which i think yeah. is kind of you know that's what you're saying too is like metal songwriting is so intricate and there's so many different types of songwriting so many genres like such a broad range of musicians in terms of like super educated to street as fuck like yeah there's such a wide variety there why is this not documented yeah and you don't know what you don't know until you learn the thing right like you don't know what you're missing basically until you start really asking questions you know i assumed of course wrongly that the way that i write songs is more or less how other people do it and I hit a point, uh, like, because I, I usually write by myself. I have written with other people here and there, but I, I don't know. I, I tend to not really like it because, um, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit of a control freak or something, but also because I haven't written a lot with really good people. But, you know, the, the old writing with the band in the room, like, that to me is a nightmare. And yes, I wound up going like, wait a second. How do other people write songs? I don't even actually know. So I started asking some questions. You know, I asked people here and there. And then I was like, oh, oh, I actually don't know. I have no idea. So I need to ask um, some people that I respect, like some real people who actually are doing the thing. So we had our old podcast, the old Gear Gods uh, Excessive Nerd Shit podcast, which was cool and fun to do, but it was so sporadic and random. I literally started that podcast just because publicists always wanted bands to do phoners, and I didn't want to have to pay somebody to transcribe them. So I was like, I'm just going to make a podcast and put out these interviews like that. And that was fine, but it was completely random. And this, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it proper. You know, I'm going to get a producer. I'm going to get sponsors and I'm just going to do it for real. So now I get to do it and talk to my favorite bands about the thing that I actually care about the most and find out all of these cool different, not just ways to do the thing, not just the actual detailed process, which was the main reason I wanted to do it, but also a ton of awesome philosophy, big brain ideas, and, you know, it really runs the gamut. Like, they're about two hours a pop, but, like, I could sit there for five hours and keep picking their brains. Like, it's crazy, and it's great. Yeah, totally. I think, and I'm curious about this, obviously, I want to save too much talking about myself for your <laughs> podcast, but I'm just curious if you've noticed this. So, as you know, I took a long break mm -hmm. from 
playing and an even longer break from the band like talking like seven years of not playing and like 11 of not doing the band that's a long fucking time yeah and um coming back to it like once i dusted off the cobwebs and stuff and like you know got it back like i think i got it back better actually like i think that more sophisticated just faster with the writing just better and like i know that my skills are above what they were when i stopped and i can attribute that to riff hard and urm just talking to all these incredible musicians and producers and just brains and being involved in all that stuff uh and hearing how people work and knowing like what they did to get better like having all that and then just using that as a resource to like get myself back i was kind of like improving the entire time uh i'm wondering that said from talking to all these uh killer songwriters in detail has it made you a better writer i would like to think so but do you think so Ooh, that's a tough one it has absolutely made me a better songwriter more than anything else, I'm so inspired every single episode. There's always some massive, amazing nugget. Oh, man, Tom England was on. He had a couple just like absolute nuclear bombs. Off the dome, I'm I'm not going to be able to remember any of them, but like that episode, for whatever reason. They were so strong, they wiped your memory. Yeah. <laughs> I was over here taking so many notes, and then I was like, Oh, we're in the middle of a podcast. <laughs> I gotta stop doing that. You know, Evergrey, awesome band. And I think how how could it not make me a better songwriter and make anybody who's listening, you know? Honestly, more than anything else, I'm sitting there going, Shut the fuck up, Trey. Just shut up and listen. Just shut up and listen. Like I try to talk so little <laughs> because to me it's it's almost a lecture. Like it's not like a it's not it's kind of a hang, like it's fun. But I'm just like listening. I just try to ask a couple little questions and then just let them talk. A lot of the people that I'm talking to, a lot of these artists don't ever get to talk about this stuff. They just think the same thing like I thought, like the way that they do it is the way that everybody does it. And as they're talking about it, they're kind of realizing like, oh, no, we have like a pretty unique way of working. You ever like just talk about the thing that you do? just intuitively and then you you real start to realize some things about it and you're like oh all right just from saying it out loud you learn more about your own process explaining it to somebody else uh, i think that happens on the podcast you know totally i think that part of why it has helped you improve is because you are actively engaging with them so the reason i'm saying that is because i think of podcasts as edutainment mm -hmm. in that, you know, I think lots of people can trick themselves into thinking that they're educating themselves by listening to a podcast. And that is generally not the case. Generally, it's just a socially accepted form of procrastination, like reading. Um, the trick to actually getting something out of it is, you know, if you're the one having the conversation, you're engaging um but if you're not then if you actually want to get something out of it you need to be taking notes and then you need to figure out a way to immediately incorporate 
what you're hearing. Otherwise, it's just one of many, many, many uh, podcasts that you may consume. And I think that the reason that I got better from doing these podcasts, even when I wasn't playing, is because I was the one talking to these people. So I was still engaging. It was still going into my brain. But like, you can't just passively listen to things. So you, you're taking notes like during these episodes. So you're not just engaging the people verbally. You're also taking notes on it, which is proven to be one of the best learning methods out there. So yeah, it's not passive learning. Like you, there's an active component to it, which I think is important to mention. Yes. Um, so y'all at home right now, I hope you're sitting there with your notes app out Writing this shit down. I would hope so. Write stuff down. That's the note. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Take a note that you should take notes. <laughs> yeah. On the last podcast, we spoke a lot about how most guitar players are not focused enough on writing songs. Since then, you've made strides to try to correct that. Let's talk about that a little bit. Put out a songwriting course. Like You've got this podcast. Um, it's something that comes up in the Riff Hard community quite a bit, and as you probably know, I put out a songwriting course as well with Creative Live many years ago. And yes. um, to this day, people tell me that it helped them. But it was also one of my lowest selling courses, which I knew it would be going in. Uh, because songwriting is something that oftentimes people don't think they need help with. They don't want to actually study. They don't think it's cool. They're much more into tactical things like scales um, scales, modes, you know, practicing a pattern, things like that, rather than something as personal as songwriting. But in the riff hard group, for instance, I've noticed that there's quite a few players who are pretty impressive and uh, very, very few who write anything good. And the reason being, and the same thing I noticed at Berkeley, same thing I've noticed, like, in my professional career is that what you spend the most time on is what you're going to sound like and what you're going to be good at. So if you spend the majority of your time trying to play well, guess what? That's what you're going to do. If songwriting is like a, an afterthought, well, your songs are going to come out like afterthoughts. Yeah. That's all it is. It's what are you focused on? Songwriting is not a sexy concept to teach to people or to, to pitch them on for some reason. People don't think of it as this glamorous thing, but really it it's number it's one. It's everything. Everything above and beyond. First of all, think about why you picked up an instrument in the first place. You didn't pick up the guitar to learn scales. You weren't like, oh, I can't wait to learn every scale. You saw somebody playing the guitar. You heard it on a recording of a song that you loved and it hooked you in, you had an emotional response to it, to the point where you were like, I want to do that. And then somewhere along the way, we get so caught up in learning the technique part that we tend to forget about the number one most important thing, which is creating, which is it's creating the music. Um, well, think about the most legendary solos of all time, or not even the most legendary solos of all time. Think about just guitar players in our community and what their most popular solo may be. It's always, without fail, almost, in a song that people consider to be one of their favorite songs. It's the marriage of 
an amazing solo with an amazing song. I know this one guitar player that was in a band that did okay, like years back, and his solos from that era are the most popular thing he's ever done to date. And he's done other stuff, but like the thing is, he hasn't worked with any real songwriters since he was in that band. And so the most popular thing is the song that he played on. That's why like his solo, the solo is great, but the song it was in is the reason people know it. They don't care about the other stuff. Like songs are everything. Even if you want to be a lead guitar player, songs are everything. The songs are the vehicle for anything you want to do. Yeah. And you're a hundred percent right. And I tell people that songs are your currency in the music industry. Everything will get immensely easier if your songs are killer. Any, well, think about all of the doors that you want to open. Okay. Like let's say, uh, um, promoters and managers, labels, uh, distribution, all of that stuff. They don't care if you can shred like that, like people who are listening to the music might care and it might be an important part of your, of your whole thing, but what's going to get your Spotify plays, you know, your Spotify numbers and all of that kind of stuff Yep. up to the point where all of those people that I mentioned and all of those industry outlets what's going to make them care uh, like to, to even talk to you are having great songs which are pushing those numbers you look at um some bands on um look at their top songs on a- a- anywhere on the radio on spotify on you know itunes whatever um of course it's always going to be their their most famous song whatever is going to be the best i'm um, not necessarily their best one but like their most memorable um something about it's going to be unique and cool and their it's their you know hallmark um their signature thing and those are the 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 maybe just the tip of the iceberg but if you've got consistently really good stuff all the way around and it's you're not just a i don't know just a like a technique band or just a production band <laughs> Like there's a lot of metal bands that kind of fall into those categories. You know, they maybe are total dick rippers on on their instruments and or, and or the production is just absolutely slamming. And you might get somewhere like that. But well, you know what? I think, you know, and I'm not really into guitar music. I'm just not. But Polyphia is a great example of how important it is to have catchy music I don't mean that in like a, you have to like write pop songs or something, but just to have like music that's catchy and good and like memorable. I think that's why Polyphia can do what they do and have the success that they have is exactly because song structures and uh, memorable parts. Yeah. Their shit is weird. Their shit is super weird. Like if you actually get into the music, it shouldn't be as big as it is it is fucking weird as shit <laughs> but it's catchy it's really and i say that by the way when i say weird as shit i mean that as like a total compliment like the whenever i see something like that that is like should be total niche and is like 
crazy getting any sort of mainstream attention i think it's an amazing beautiful thing uh for art and uh so hats off to them but i think that having actual like even though they don't have vocals those are songs they're songs with like hooks and uh that makes such a huge 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 difference absolutely and even though it's like guitar based music it's actually real music if you were to it's real music yeah i don't know what it is about the culture of guitar playing and learning that is so amusical in so many ways like it's because what they focus on it's like it's like we think it's this other thing that's not an instrument that has to be with other instruments like it's it's not like flutes and flute flautists have this same culture where they're like I don't know where they think they could just play flute riffs all day and people will listen to it and like only flute players will listen to it. I don't know like what the fuck happened, you know, that guitar became this thing where like there's a whole genre of music that only guitar players listen to. Like how masturbatory is that? How does that happen? I don't know and it's very frustrating to me because I love the guitar so much and I do love guitar music. I do this thing every Friday I'll be doing it tomorrow. Um, on on my channel, I do a stream where people send in their music and I critique it. It's I call it a roast, but really I just try to give the best possible, most objective feedback on people's music. And it's mostly guitarists sending in their music. That's kind of, you know, my audience is also mostly guitar players. I get so much stuff that no one would ever listen to if they did not play the guitar. I got a little bit of flack a few weeks back. This guy sent something in, a absolutely gorgeous music video, like, um, you know, in a f- nice field, dude playing a sick multi-scale eight-string, absolutely shredding his face off, super thick, chunky riffs. Not a melody. Okay, one, one small melody that was pretty nice. The rest of it, was just these really boring, chunky eight-string riffs that just just um, were like cool sounding. The production was really good and heavy. Obviously, mm-hmm. high tech, very pro production, and then some ripping solos, and absolutely did nothing for me musically, artistically, emotionally. It was basically like a a gear demo that I would do for the channel. And I get this kind of stuff sent in all the time. Yes. Dudes have worked so, so, so hard on every aspect of what they do, except for the number one most important part. All of those other things that I mentioned that they that they do well, maybe, are supposed to be there to support the song, whatever that is. And the, the you know, the artistic statement, the creative endeavor... I, I think of it like the setting for a, like a scene for a movie. You know, they built the scene out. They got the lighting and the rigging and everything. They pointed the cameras at nobody. There's no main actor. There's no like. There's no Brad Pitt in the shot. They cared so much about getting the details on the whatever fucking scene. I don't know. What do you put in a scene? Like you know. 
It's frustrating. I, I know what you're saying, though. Like, it's all decoration. Yeah. It's all decoration. No furniture. It's a very immaculately decorated, empty room. Yeah. And it's really frustrating to hear all the time because it doesn't really, it doesn't really happen in other styles of music, I find. Here's the thing is, I think, though, that like virtuosos and songwriters need each other. And Absolutely. like, there's a reason, too, why great songwriters are typically not the best guitar players. It's like we were saying earlier, it's what you spend your time on. Now, there are some songwriters that are sick guitar players, but the top, top, top virtuosos, like the Olympic athlete level types, are generally not, not that they're bad writers, but they're not usually the best writers. Right. And so the pairing of a virtuoso with the brilliant writer is the best pairing because they need each other because the songwriter might not be able to pull off everything the virtuoso can. The virtuoso needs the platform on which to shine. So that's great. Like when you find a pairing like that, or when people are conscious and intentional about that sort of thing, I think that the problem becomes when I guess people are unaware they're spending 90% of their time on their playing and their songs suck. And then they're trying to push that and don't understand why, because they're so good at playing. It's like, well, you need to get with a songwriter. Yeah. <laughs> go, go join a band. <laughs> yeah. I mean, think about it. Like, would we even know who Marty Friedman was if he wasn't in Megadeth, right? No. And I do like his solo music a lot, actually. Like, I am a Dragon's Kiss fan and Cacophony yeah. fan, and Marty's one of the greatest of all time and love him. But yeah, without him having spent that time in Megadeth, I don't know, maybe, but that's how I heard about him. That's how everyone I know heard about him. He's probably a bad example because he, you're right, he he does not suck at writing songs, uh, in, in instrumental stuff too. No, no, he does not. That's the thing. And he's proven that he can be fine on his own. Maybe a bad example, but also, how did you hear about him? I heard about him because of Hangar 18 and yeah. Holy Wars, and that, those songs had great solos in them. The solos elevated the songs, which is what made me go seek his solo music. But the songs are great, and the songs set this platform for these great solos. And then the fact that he is a great writer allowed him to come up with great solos that took it even further. That's like... That is actually one of the best examples of virtuoso and a songwriter getting together because it's not like Dave Mustaine isn't badass at guitar and it's not like Marty Friedman isn't badass at writing his own stuff. They're, they can both do, they can both hold their own, but you know, Dave Mustaine is more of a writer and Marty Friedman is more of a virtuoso, but you put those two together and that's how you get shit like rust in peace yeah and i think that they aren't necessarily mutually exclusive like we said no but it's more like you have to at least spend some of your time paying attention to both right like dave mustaine couldn't be writing songs without 
his instrument, right, without writing them on guitar. I mean, he, he could, but, like, that's the jam, right? He also spent a lot of time. And he has to be good enough to play those songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, he could potentially be writing them for somebody else or whatever. So he had to hit a certain level on the guitar as well as in songwriting. And Marty Friedman couldn't spend all of his time just figuring out technique stuff because he also had to write the solos right there is a lot I, I have met many many guitar players who are much much better than me who all they do is learn other people's uh material and get master it and get really good at it and usually those are people who just do it for fun basically it's like a hobby or, or something and they just they just can't write and they just never even consider the idea of coming up with uh, any original music and that's t- that's totally cool i think that's really um actually I, I sometimes i'm extremely jealous of that <laughs> being able to just do it and enjoy it but it's not a creative endeavor and if you're going to be a, an artist right kind of musician and you're go- you're trying to create something even if you're that virtuoso it's not like classical music where you can be a virtuoso and you're just playing Paganini, right? You have to have your your own thing. You have to create your thing. And those things are not necessarily songs, but you have to consider the song for the thing that you're writing. If you're Marty Friedman and Dave Mustaine is has written Rust in Peace and left you these spaces for solos, you're not just unleashing random arpeggios on it and just ripping for the sake of ripping like he he's looking at the song as a whole and going all right what's gonna make this pop the fuck off what's the thing that's gonna elevate this track he's looking at it compositionally in a way and still has to actually write the notes that are gonna be in the solo right so even if you are that just that virtuoso, I say just, you know, even if your whole thing is just like, I'm going to write or I'm going to be able to play the most amazing solos, the song is still going to be your most important shit. You still have to be able to write and compose. So like and you have to you can't you have to think within the context of whatever it is that you're working with. And the better of a songwriter you are, the more people are going to care about the thing that you're doing, that your your amazing solos, whatever. The song isn't just an excuse to have a solo two-thirds of the way through. And even if that's kind of how you're thinking about it... If you want anyone to remember your solo, try to learn your solo, give a shit about your solo, Yeah, it's got to be well-written. The River Dragon, uh, like arpeggios, you you care about it because it's in the middle of a banger. And it, you know what I mean? Like, without the rest of it, it's just a really sick etude basically or whatever you know really sick really really super duper sick like legendary you know i say it and people are like yeah dude fucking river dragon i feel like i'm uh, maybe like harping a bit or like i'm negative about it or something to me it's more like i get intense about it because i see this need i see a an opportunity for massive improvement and a sort of an attitude shift you know riff hard is like this awesome place where you can go and learn um how to get better at the guitar like you said all of these different things everything from 
like extreme down picking to sweet picking like learn from a bunch of great instructors and but like you think about the origin you know it started off as this like extreme heavy rhythm guitar thing brown is the is a is a down picking god but that sort of thing that sound originated with like you know like metallica james hetfield obviously like and he did that so that he could write these super sick songs like people forget that metallica like the reason the metallica is the biggest band in the world isn't because of hetfield's right hand but he's writing songs it's a vehicle yeah his right hand is a vehicle for those songs basically you can't have one without the other but as you're writing these things and pushing yourself you're inevitably going to improve on your instruments it's like self-perpetuating right you want to write more crazy stuff you want to be pushing yourself and you have to hit a certain level in order to perform these songs that you want that you know the world needs that has to be better so then you go oh all right well i gotta like what can i how can i get better how can i learn how can i improve i wanted to talk to you about this and we will talk about you know we'll talk about my process specifically on your podcast but something that comes up that people ask me about a lot is um they're telling me something like they want to try and write something in my style so they'll point out something that i wrote and ask me why i made that decision is it because of this harmonic idea or this harmonic idea because they're experimenting with this harmonic idea and i don't think like that at all even though i know it i don't think like that at all and when i hear them saying that like my thoughts are you are so off the mark right now because all i was trying to do was write something awesome all that's it all i was trying to write something sick you know or something beautiful or something epic like that that's it i wasn't thinking about what you're asking about and i know this from how people hold themselves back with mixing and playing and writing is they over focus on strange things if they don't know or don't understand how that thing works or how to incorporate it they just like stop dead in their tracks and the reason they do that i think is because they have hyperfixated on this one harmonic concept and feel like if they don't learn that they're not going to be able to come up with this type of part that incorporates that harmonic concept but the reality is that the writer probably just wrote something cool and uh isn't thinking about the harmonic context until later um usually and what I was wondering was, how do you help people get out of that box and just writing? Like, I haven't, I have not figured it out because whenever I talk to those types, I tell them, just don't think about that. Like, learn your theory, but like, it's not about theory when you're trying to write a cool song, um, trying to capture a feeling. What feeling are you going for? But like, that's just lost. And how do you get people to stop? basically beating their head into a wall chasing the wrong things as opposed to just writing and writing and writing and writing good question you know what i'm talking about right oh yeah oh yeah i know exactly i'm asking you because you know your theory so you know like how helpful it is to know but i'm sure you also know firsthand how destructive it can be for some people who use it this way so that's why i'm asking you yeah music theory is sort of like the sweep picking of songwriting and composition. <laughs> like I did that basically through high school and college, like just wanted to learn 
all the theory, all the ear training, all that stuff. And I thought that that was what was going to make me a better writer. In a huge way, it did, but... Not directly. Not directly. For me, it's a problem-solving tool, but that was the hyper-focus for me that was sort of missing the point in it. Not sort of. It really misses the point in a huge way. The reason that you learn that stuff is so that when you hear something that someone else did or you hear something in your head, you know what it is and you have a name, a little name for it so you can put it in your tool belt, you know, in your little Batman can arrange it properly you can communicate it to people properly like exactly and so you know uh what i do to keep people from that or other kinds of distractions getting in the way of the end goal which is to write a great piece of music is like just to look at it holistically more than anything else you know in my course i show how to go about writing starting from any piece of inspiration right i show how to write a part starting from just a lyric or like a vocal idea how to start with just some chords how to start from a riff how to start from like a a rhythmic idea just to demonstrate that like wherever you're coming from you can get to the this final product of a great song um that you're actually going to care about and also just emphasizing what's important too like really being like look like whatever the main top line thing is is always the most important thing and if you always come back to that if you're always trying to support this idea the lead actor you're always gonna um be making the right decision and also to make sure that you're looking at the song as a whole the structure that you zoom out because it's so easy to get you know way into the detail Oh, what am I? How am I going to pick this? How am, like is this going to be? Uh, you know, palm muted. Is it going to be open? Am I? You know, automating little changes in your synth parts. Whatever. Like those are all super cool, important things to make it slap. But all of those decisions need to be made relative to that focal point, even if it's even especially if it's not you if you're not the singer of the band if you're not the if it's you know if you're doing instrumental music if you're not the lead whatever and also just talking about the philosophical ideas and things like writer's block okay like writer's block is is bullshit total bullshit and in the course, I have a whole. Se- I actually um, broke it out into an entirely separate course called Smashing Writer's Block, which you can also get from me. And the reason is, so many people who took the course were like, the whole thing was worth it just for this section on Writer's Block. And I was like, oh, okay, I have the cure. I literally cu- have the cure for you if you want it. But it's it's mostly just that like you have to go in with the right mindset, otherwise, the end product is not going to be what what you what it could be really more than anything else and so the hyper fixation comes from not being able to see the whole the whole picture and where these little elements of it fit in and that more than anything else i think is the sort of guitar player problem we are just 
fixated on guitar stuff and because it's such a vast universe of things we have now hundreds of years of guitar culture right like classical guitar all the way through and then like i don't know 100 years of electric guitar of people developing this stuff and it's such a fucking cool thing the guitar is so awesome and so rich that it's easy to get lost in it is it is a lifetime of study even in just one niche and that's great except that you could look up after doing it for 40 years and go like oh i forgot to write a song (laughs) you know yeah you totally can and that's cool that you made a course on writer's block by the way i definitely think that it's good to address it because some people think they have it it's bullshit it's such bullshit i've had a method for getting past it that's worked for like 20 years now and the only times that i've had trouble writing have been when i don't take my own advice and then I got another trick from Kevin Thrasher recently on the podcast where he said, uh, and I've been public about my two methods for breaking it. So like one is just learn something new. That's it. Like feeling writer's block, take a guitar lesson and learn something new outside of your wheelhouse, like a new piece of music, whatever, something cool. That's it. At least for me, as soon as I do that, I'm back. And um, that or Kevin Thrasher's technique of writing for the trash just don't try to write a good song just try to write like try to write a shitty song actually and just write another shitty song and another shitty song that's it like don't try to do anything good just try to write something bad actually and uh, before you know it something good will come out and then you can pursue that but literally those two things i never have it like ever it's crazy like i don't understand and i'm sure that you have something awesome in your course too i'm positive but like i don't understand the writer's block thing because all you need to do is figure out how to get your light bulb to turn on basically it's turned on before if you have writer's block that means you have written something already what caused your light bulb to turn on before just figure it out it's that easy i think it's an attitudinal shift an attitude adjustment that you have to make about the way that you see yourself the way that you think about the creative process and music um people get stuck in ruts very easily because um they are looking at it in a very narrow sense it's kind of the same with the hyper focus you know um like looking at whatever it is that you're making with varying levels of zoom you know being very zoomed in or very zoomed out um and and going back and forth between them all the time for me is incredibly important without that there's just no um yeah just uh, there's no useful perspective being zoomed way 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 in to do detail work on on certain things is amazing but if you live there you're not seeing what what it is that you're doing there's there's not enough self-awareness in a sense okay so like you zoom out to see the whole project you have to zoom out further to see the world, to see the, like where you, the, your work and your thing fits in compared to other people, compared to other artists, where it sits in the in the art in general, right? What the statement is that you're making, all of this stuff. And I think once you see that, like you can also sort of see that your quote unquote inability to write anything is actually just that you aren't doing enough making enough putting out enough or not yep. necessarily putting out but just 
creating enough to have the pump just primed all the time, you're too worried about what you're making. You are too self-conscious about it being good or bad or whatever. And the fact is, there are no consequences to making something that sucks. You're not doing it in front of an audience. You're probably sitting in your bedroom recording into Reaper. And if it sucks, no one ever has to hear it. You just have to make it and leave it in a folder on your desktop somewhere. And nobody ever has to hear it if it sucks. So you have to stop worrying about whether or not it sucks. And really, writer's block is just... It's not the inability to create. Because if you are writing, then you have written before. You can't have writer's block right out of the gate because you're not a writer yet you're just fucking around and making stuff which is really how we get there and then if you have been writing you're capable of it you just don't think that the things that you're making are any good and that might be true but you still have to do them then the thing will come so there are a lot of cool techniques that will get you from feeling like that to not just feeling like it's okay or you're not going to give up your craft entirely but also to a point where you can feel super inspired all the time very easily that's the main thing like writer's block is just on this far end of the inspiration uh spectrum right like cuz way over on the other end there's just this like ah, you know like uh Arnold Schwarzenegger like I'm coming at the gym I'm coming at home I'm coming <laughs> at the grocery store you know like that's like extreme inspiration like very high level <laughs> like I mean he was probably he was probably on the juice but like whatever um and then we've got you know quote unquote writer's block which is just you're not feeling good about it that's not the what's coming out in the final product objective quality it's just how you're feeling about it and both the full course and the writer's block course are in in a big way about getting you just to that very high inspiration moment as often as possible because there's a lot of specific process things in songwriting and in any creative endeavor techniques and and stuff that you can learn and that are important but in the end, the process, however you do it, isn't is it's a personal thing. It doesn't really matter how you do it. But the inspiration and understanding of how you're doing it, how you should feel about it, which you should feel stoked about it all the time. Um, I think those are even more important and more not just more important, but better to learn about and less talked about. Uh, in in songwriting culture and stuff like that it's uh you know everybody wants to be like oh what words should i use that are psychologically stimulating to people like what's what are i'm gonna i analyze the top 100 pop songs and these five words came up every time like uh, no like okay cool great say tonight at the end of a line and you might have a hit but like how are you going to feel awesome when you're done writing a song because you put yourself into it? You got out of it what you were going for. You love it. That's all stuff that's like high inspiration moments, flow states, shit that, that, that people just don't talk about. And it's so important. Got me ranting. Yeah. The, the issue though is um, it's so personal that like you can't understand Mike Ackerfeld's flow state, right? Like, cause it's, personal to him so you can analyze his music 
and you can ask him about it, but the actual thing where it comes from, it's only him. Here's another excuse people give that I don't know why it bothers me, is the excuse for not writing what they say is, uh, I have so many ideas in my head, and then that's it. That's it. I have so many ideas in my head. Or I write great music in my head all the time, just uh, don't know how to get it down. And so then that's the that's the excuse for not writing enough, mm-hmm. which is really weird. You've heard that one, right? Yep, I've heard them all. Uh, that one bothers me. I notice that when someone tells me that, I get a little like, like I want to say something mean. <laughs> I don't, but I want to. I, and I don't know why. Why that one, of all of the excuses, why that one pisses me off a little bit. I think it's because it's they're admitting that they're not even trying and they're making themselves feel good about it or something like like I could write the most amazing song ever. I'm just not. But it's there. It's there. Trust me. It's there. I'm fucking sick. (laughs) Elise from Amaranth said something really great on this past week's podcast or less that she said something specifically great and more like she demonstrated why it's so important to practice getting the ideas from your head into the world and that's just that so she came she came in onto the podcast a little bit late right like whatever had some technical issues we got it fixed so then it's like oh she's coming into the zoom meeting and i i like turned on the you know the thing and it's like has her name on there uh we could hear i was like oh i can hear you but i can't see your face something she s- starts singing like the first thing we hear out of her is her singing the thing that i just said basically she's like oh that's a great song i can i can hear your voice but i can't see your face like so, i don't know some like and i was like <laughs> holy shit and so like later on i asked her kind of like like how did you get to this point where you can just be spitting out these top lines like crazy you know like lyrics melodies the whole the whole and she's like I've just been doing it since I was nine, just like sing about everything all the time. You know, like she'll just, she was basically like, she'll be at home just like cooking dinner. Like I got this spatula, I'm flipping my pancake, like whatever, like just singing songs about everything. And I do that also to a certain extent. And it's just getting those ideas from your head, like the, you know, like these guys are talking about into a format where the world can hear it it's really hard but it gets so much easier the more that you do it and that's literally the game name of the game okay until they invent that thing in uh futurama where you can like you know the like oboe thing where he can like paint a picture from his mind (laughs) with that instrument until they get that just gotta sit there and do it you can't think the symphony into existence okay you have to translate it from your brain into your DAW or onto the page or whatever. And the only way that you can get to the point where you're able to do that uh, with any kind of easy flow is by doing it all the time, doing it over and over and over again. Like I said, having good ear training and theory stuff is cool because you will be, you'll know what it is that you're hearing. Like if I hear a part in my head as I'm like drifting off to sleep or whatever, I know what the intervals are. I can, like, I could write it down without grabbing my guitar or whatever, and that makes it easier. You still just got to sit there and write the shit, the end. Yeah, you have to do it. And part of it is that the first couple times you do it, it takes for fucking ever. 
it's very difficult and long and arduous. But that's only the first couple times. It gets exponentially faster after a while. It gets a lot easier and more satisfying because you get to that point. It's like the first solo I ever learned, Fade to Black. I sat down and I learned the whole song, start to finish, every single part. The guitar solo at the end is very long and difficult. It took me two fucking weeks to do the whole thing, okay? But then the next transcription I did took half that time and half of that and to the point where now I can learn stuff very quickly. It's the same with writing. You sit there and you and uh, you just like you just do it. You struggle with your with your equipment, with your DAW, like you struggle with every part of it the first couple times. And then it gets easier and better and like and you no matter what you have to do it because otherwise those ideas stay in your head forever and the you the music dies with you if you don't do it you're full of shit because whatever you say is in your head doesn't even exist how are we supposed to know that if you can't describe it it's not real sorry yeah. they just want to get out of doing the work yeah i just want to stop short of telling people they're full of shit but at the end of the day that's kind of what it is it's like you're just telling me you're not willing to sit there and do what needs to be done in order to get these ideas out either you don't actually think your ideas are that great or you're lazy i don't know but either way let's talk about in virtue <laughs> all right scream let's do it yeah so um out of curiosity what's changed about your writing process oh good question well it's our most uh, mature and melodic it's our heaviest bro to date and and it's our heaviest yet and it's it sounds like our old stuff but also the future yeah my songwriting process actually hasn't really changed the process is about the same because it's um total fucking chaos until until the the mastering stage basically so are you writing up until the end like even through the mix i mean it's less like writing and more like oh this part shouldn't be there like get rid of it like making making those kinds of decisions um i mean obviously that's part of mixing like emphasizing certain elements over others in certain parts but at the same time like like literally being like okay i wrote this part and it shouldn't be in there or oh there's something completely missing but for scream it was almost entirely a solo endeavor whereas usually there is some element of collaboration within the band more often than not, the element of collaboration is with Alex because I am not very good at finding good keyboard parts and sounds. Alex, the harpsichord virtuoso. Alex, the harpsichord shredder, you know. We uh, work in very, very different ways. Greatest harpsichordist ever. <laughs> I have to specifically disallow harpsichord sounds. I have to beat him to get the parts out of him and it works so well you wouldn't even believe it i'll have to like sit there and i push him and i push him and i push him and sometimes he'll just like put his hands down and play something that's like fits so fucking well and i'm like that's the thing and he's like really i don't know man and i'm like no that's it for this one i wound up hearing all the parts uh keyboards and everything pretty quickly because it's like a very sort of straightforward song, I actually, for once, knocked the whole thing out pretty pretty fast. 
it's kind of a like the the guitar parts in the song are kind of almost uh dumb like neanderthal just a fun catchy riff the song is a bit slow compared to what i usually do actually on this song on this album it has both some of our fastest ones and also for sure by a long wide mile the slowest which is new for me i usually write nothing slower than kind of a mid-paced thing which i realized is was a problem for me like i I can't just be writing everything in the same basic few tempos you know it's just like what i like you know i basically what i go for whether i mean to or not is taking the parts of power metal that i love and getting rid of the rest you know getting rid of all the cheesy shit because i love power metal but i hate the cheese um and that's a that's a tall order it's a tall order but there's so much uh, awesome energy and musical stuff um, that you don't need the dragons and and shit. Uh, honestly, like uh, this was this is uh, kind of a departure from that. Even that, like, there's a lot of stuff that's still in there that uh, has a little bit of that. But more than anything else, it's not. I've always kind of thought of you guys more like on the rock end of things with like influences from power metal, but like. Especially with your vocals, like yeah. and like the Chris Cornell influence and all that, it's like when I hear you guys, I hear more of a it's metal for sure, but like it's more like on the rock end of it. The other biggest influence for me is '90s alt rock. Oh, there you go. That was what I came up in, and I think still so much of that songwriting is unmatched. Not just in how good, catchy, and awesome it is, but also with how fucking weird it could be and still be commercially viable. The 90s were absolutely a Wild West for rock music because oh, yeah. this was before, you know, before we had this total takeover of mainstream radio by uh, Clear Channel and all that shit. I'm sure you've heard of this, uh, uh, what is it called? The the New World Order. Yeah, basically. I like Just imagine a world where Mr. Bungle can be on a major label, Ministry can go platinum, Alice in Chains, as dark as they fucking are, can go multi-platinum, Primus can go platinum, yeah. Danzig can sell out uh, arenas. It was wild crazy. time for music. Crazy. Marilyn Manson, like, top 10 Billboard artist... I saw him headline a gigantic festival. Yeah, satanic as fuck. Like, I think also people don't realize culturally what it meant back. It's not as shocking now, but then uh, for stuff like that to just be mainstream is like insane. Yeah. The Red Hot Chili Peppers were great. They used to be fucking awesome, if you can believe it. Uh, yeah, like, but that that was the that was the culture that I learned to that I discovered music that I loved that wasn't what my parents were listening to. It was that during that time period that I was uh, introduced to stuff. Um, you know, first couple albums that I owned that were my decision to buy were like Green Day, Dookie, Smashing Pumpkins. That's another great example. They put out. At the height of their career, a double album, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, that was 
such a wild, creative, experimental thing. Like that they could put out a double album that where they were just going absolutely nuts with all kinds of different sounds and styles. It was it still sounded pretty cohesive, but there's some incredibly weird shit on there and it sold tons and tons of albums. They had a bunch of singles that were more sort of straightforward, but also some weird ones. And I think that sort of idea of melding this very memorable, catchy, straightforward thing with these weirder elements, but still in a in a cohesive structure in sort of a pop format hit me much harder than the things that came later. That, or it stuck with me more so than like bands that I got into later, like Dream Theater and Proggy stuff. Um, so that those things also had a huge influence on how I write. But no matter what, I think I was always, always, always striving f- to write very memorable things. I, I honestly, even though I spent many of my formative years listening to and learning to play and write crazy progressive metal, no matter what, I was always obsessed with making catchy shit because that might be my p- main priority more than anything else. That's always been my priority with Doth, like from the beginning, was catchy i don't think the catchy is objectively better in any sense not necessarily but it's just what i like well for me it's important to have catchy memorable riffs parts and like yeah maybe catchy doesn't necessarily mean better but it's one of those things that i think is crucial because uh what difference does something make if it's not memorable i think if you're not making something memorable you're making something forgettable exactly so it's not that it necessarily means better because there's some like bad songs that are catchy but to me it's still a necessary condition you gotta meet in your songs yeah for them to be good songs so catchy does so it's not all uh catchy songs are good but i think all good songs are catchy in some way shape or form even in the oddest structure oddest genres something in there is capturing people yeah i think there's like this there's something that when you're creating when you're fucking around in the sandboxing portion of your songwriting something grabs you right something that you do something you improvise or whatever jumps out at you and you go oh that's worth keeping that's worth documenting maybe putting in my little riff pile or whatever or this is a strong enough idea for me to base an entire song off of. So in that sense, you're already looking for catchy things, quote unquote catchy, like something that grabs you, a compelling musical idea, right? And some people, I, th- I think there's an idea that things that are catchy or whatever are like... Trite, superficial, fast food. Yeah, and that the like real ideas, like the real meaty ideas or something shouldn't be that. And then they usually wind up making really terrible music that only musicians could appreciate on in some sense. Dude, even Meshuggah's catchy. Like, that's the yeah. thing. It's like the most intense technical music, the top level of those acts they write catchy music it's just not pop structured maybe like opeth the songs are 10 minutes long but like for instance opeth song deliverance Mm -hmm. the breakdown at the very end 
Yeah. That shit is catchy as fuck. Yeah. And there's riff, Master's Apprentice opening riff. Shit is catchy as fuck. Maybe it's a 15 minute long song or 10 minute or something. Yeah. But that it doesn't matter. There's still hooks. It's not a pop structure. But see, I guess I think it's important for people listening to understand that we're not saying don't do whatever extreme shit you want to do. Like we're not saying to like neuter yourself or whatever, be true to yourself, but just keep in mind that Gojira is popular because of those super fucking catchy riffs. They are like one of the most slamming bands on earth, but without those riffs, like then, and they have like one per song without those, like, and you know, when you hear them, those Gojira riffs, that's like the money right there. You gotta have catchy shit. Dream Theater, they have catchy parts too. Always have. All their songs are always built around very catchy parts. Yes. Like them or not, like, they do. People don't realize that they're, throughout these very long songs, they're also developing ideas, and it's not just a bunch of random, like, prog nonsense, you know? Back to why Polyphia's big. Yeah. Even things that are complex or proggy or whatever it's still a development of a couple solid ideas and the whole the song moves from part to part in a meaningful way the structure is built out in a way that they they're going for a certain climax a musical idea that um that a plot that's developed and then we get a finale like it's not just tacking on endless parts and having i usually find that the catchiest idea is the one that is worth developing into even something as big and complex as that yeah i agree or like what's that song called playing god that uh polyphia one that's you know it's a three minute song but like and that intro is complex as shit but it's so catchy that like you don't notice how complicated it is until you try to learn it it's deceptive and i think i agree with you about the catchiest ideas are the ones worth developing. Why would you develop the bad ones? Yeah. I think that this does come down to talent levels. Like I know that some people don't believe talent exists. And I think that that's bullshit because if you don't believe talent exists, you've never been around a truly talented person. What I mean by talent is not skill. So you can have lower levels of talent, but higher levels of skill. You just, you can bridge the gap through relentless dedication and work ethic but talent just means how much work do you have to do to produce something or what can you create that nobody else could think of it's like it's some combination of that it's like if i practice 10 hours on guitar versus wes practicing 10 hours at guitar at the same thing who's going to learn it quicker even if i spend 100 hours on the same thing compared to him spending two hours on it a good example and we'll talk about this part in specific is uh not announced yet but uh some human in the lead guitar spot and doth like there was this part that i was working on for six months practicing my fucking ass off on it and i got it like within 10 percent, but it was a struggle i gave it to him and he had it within an hour and uh yeah he's much more highly skilled than me but I think that there's a talent for learning and a talent like it's basically a predisposition. And I guess with writing, no matter how hard you try, there are some people they're just like more in tune with greatness or whatever. But that aside, you really can develop this by 
just getting yourself into that flow state and actually trying to write catchy good stuff and holding yourself to a higher standard listening to what you wrote and asking yourself what is a what is standard about this what could be better about this like what's like stock or what out of like these 10 minutes worth of riffs that i wrote what here stands out at all like is there one part or like a part of a part and then focus on that yeah i think part of the aversion to catchiness is because you can take a catchy thing and sort of abuse it um which is what happens in like lower quality pop production okay like they just take a thing they're kind of like fucking around with human psychology and like using it to sell albums of music that's doesn't really have much substance but if we take that association away what we're actually looking for is compelling musical ideas okay like things that draw us to them for some reason and like i think people are sort of averse to the word catchy and therefore wind up creating like i I don't know almost like anti-catchy like there's this reaction but really um what you need to do is be a little bit more objective realize that even though you're not making music in a void you you still have to just go for the best things that you have focus on those 80 20 that shit okay yeah you wrote 100 riffs maybe a lot of them are good or cool but take the best one that you've got take the best musical idea the most compelling thing which will probably also be very catchy or in some way memorable or good and develop that into a full song with structure and and everything and don't try to just cram stuff in because you're you play metal and you think that pop is the antithesis of metal and therefore it has to, it can't be catchy or or whatever i don't i don't really know i i i never really understood that mindset but it is very very prevalent and com- chasing compelling ideas and developing them is the name of the game actually to that like i i know i've talked about courses a lot today but i have a free one that i think has been helping people a lot called the rift to song challenge completely free and the whole idea is that you can take one riff and turn it into one song in one week with this very very super straightforward formula and structure and this happens because guitar players write riffs and a lot of them are really fucking good but they never turn them into songs (laughs) they can't just fucking like take like they just wind up with these endless riff salads and they don't know how to make it a song so i was like all right guys Let's like, I want you to finish one complete song. So you're going to take your best riff and I'm going to show you how to turn it into a song. So that's like taking your best and most compelling idea, probably your catchiest one, and then putting it into into a useful song structure instead of having a riff graveyard that just grows and grows and grows. Just actually committing to it. I think that's tough for people for whatever reason yeah i find that with mixers too that's why with nail the mix we have the mix competition is because it forces people to finish a mix by a deadline Mm -hmm. and hand it in because the tendency is to just not just work on it forever just keep on going and going and going yeah sometimes for years like for years yep no shit some amateur mixers will be on the same song for like three years and they don't know that they uh at a certain point it started getting worse oh they know they just don't they're just like think they're gonna get it better if they just like watch one more tutorial 
or yeah one more urm course and it's like yeah sure buy another urm course or whatever but that's not what's going to fix it what's going to fix it is you hitting bounce sending it and moving on to the next song moving yep the end and with it's kind of the same idea with this course you're talking about it's like you're forcing them to commit and fucking get the goddamn idea done motherfucker and move on yeah yeah because i man seriously and i've talked about this before okay there was a band in atlanta that uh very nice people but when doth was unsigned they had already been around for like eight years we got signed in 2006 uh they had already been around for eight years and they only had eight songs they're still together now and they've got 12 songs they recorded those eight songs like in 2003 and just only played those eight till like i don't know 2017 or 18 where they wrote a few more that shit is nuts and when talking to them about it they've talked they talk about how stuff just didn't happen for them etc not like uh not in a bitter sort of way like but in a you know kind of bummed stuff just didn't happen it's like well you worked on eight songs for 20 years that's kind of why that kind of has something to do with it so you got to make more always more 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 yeah you don't even know that there are more valuable ideas waiting to be unearthed and to put that time and effort into if you're not constantly writing you know you can't possibly think that those ideas that you came up with 20 years ago are the ones for you to spend all that time and energy and effort on unless you don't are aren't constantly searching for new ones you know like how wow like that's that's a bit depressing to be honest but i think people just don't necessarily know no that's the that's an extreme case but i've seen it all maybe i haven't seen that many that are that extreme but i've seen lots of cases that are close to that like literally working on the same four song ep for seven years stuff like that like dude fucking stop (laughs) yeah you gotta either ship it or delete it you know yeah like seriously you can't do both you can't let it choke up your life forever you gotta publish or perish you know and honestly what i saw was that so many people have just never completed one song so many guitar players told me that they have a hundred riffs on their desktop and zero completed songs and i was like they just need to finish one get the feeling of completing a thing even if no one ever hears it because you can't get to song 100 if you never finish song 1 it becomes it just it just becomes a, a blockage and so yeah that more than anything else that was what led me to be like okay i need to give people a very very clear set of basic instructions like putting together an ikea piece of furniture so that they can just finish it so that they can go like oh you can just make things and it's possible to get them finished and then you kind of get addicted to it you know that that's why when in initial talks about doing doth again i made it very very clear we are releasing music in 2022 no matter what we are doing that so whoever's on board or not on board cool but there's new music happening in 2022 like i have willed it and it will be because otherwise you can just 
you can just take forever on things. You have to you have to decide to finish things and keep going with, with your life, basically. Man, hundred riffs, no songs. There's at least one song in there. Yeah, you know that there is. There's got to be at least one. The other thing too is that a lot of folks are waiting around for the like the perfect riff or something, or they think that they have to have the best possible musical idea to even move forward best according to who well exactly well according to themselves um they they probably listen to really good music and have very high standards for themselves but that's stupid um you just got to do the thing Um, but also it's possible to write a great song with a shitty riff that there are a lot of those not every song not every riff is it's more about context. It's more about context. And not every riff can be 96 quite bitter beings. You know what I mean? Like No, and man, if if like you have good taste and high standards and you're like comparing yourself to the best, like and that's why you're not moving forward, then you're never going to move forward because you're always going to feel inferior to them. Whether you are or aren't isn't up to you anyways. That's up to the listening public. But the people I listen to, I'm always going to feel inferior to them, to their writing. It's not up to me, though. And they usually feel the same about somebody else. Yes, they do. They lose sleep over how shitty they are. (laughs) Yeah, that's a feeling that exists at every single level. In the YouTube world, I have friends who have like orders of magnitude more subscribers than me. Like uh, At a level where I think that if I were to reach that, there's no way I could feel bad like i'd be i will have won the game right like friends who have like eight million subscribers and get tons and tons of views on everything they're universally adored they feel exactly the same way about the youtube game as i do like putting like they put out something if it doesn't get a certain reaction they feel bad about it they're like oh this video tanked i'm like bro if i got that many video views on any one of my videos i'd be stoked off my ass but that's just that's just the 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 way that it is like everybody feels bad all the time <laughs> life is a nightmare um but also you don't realize looking at a band's output how many songs they actually wrote versus how many made it on the album right it's usually you're hearing the tip of the iceberg okay like don't feel bad about your riff graveyard because bands have any band that's worth its salt that's been around for a long time has a song graveyard that's just as big and you heard the 10 songs that made it on each album and you have to have your song skeletons in your closet to have bodies walking around that are finished songs that made the cut yeah it's just part of it well i think that's a good place to end this man as always been a fucking pleasure hell yeah dude awesome that we are uh, both putting out music yeah in this time period um especially since it's a bit of a coincidence that you actually worked on uh on this album a little bit you tracked my vocals back in <laughs> like five years ago some of those songs are going to be on this oh album, wow if you really believe it yeah yeah well that's awesome they've already been put out as singles so if you want to hear uh i don't know maybe was that the last thing that you engineered for a while at least i think man well i wasn't engineering like i just did that because we're friends like well exactly oh that's what i'm saying like you so yeah that's probably (laughs) yeah i think so 
it was it was cool we'll put links in the description to them yeah you'll have a um credit on the album for sure sick and uh <laughs> and i'm very much looking forward to hearing what uh what you're putting out condolences in advance pretty awesome we're both we're both kind of making a little bit of a comeback here yeah so just out of curiosity right before we end uh what made you decide to redo it well to not redo it but to uh continue to resurrect the band resurrect yeah i mean it's always been the thing that i've sort of cared about the most but because of that i sort of have been very precious about it you know too much and i sort i kind of started to take my own advice i listened to the things that i was telling other people about just like get it fucking done get it out and i was like yeah i need to do that also for myself because otherwise I'm just talking out of my ass. Yep. It's the whole reason that I'm even here caring about any of this stuff. The music that I write for the band is what I do for me. And I finally got to a point where I was feeling good enough about it that I could share it with the world. Awesome, man. That's great. Well, I'm glad you're doing it. I'm very glad. And it sounds sick. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm very excited for all of this stuff. I'm just excited for music. I'm excited about music again. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's a strange thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to coming on your podcast in a few weeks. Yeah. So um, the podcast is called uh, How Songs Are Made. If you go to howsongsaremadepodcast.com, everybody at home, um, and follow it on your favorite podcast spot, you'll get to uh, hear when AL will be on it. It's also going to be a live stream on the on the YouTube channel, and I'm sure he'll let everybody know when that's going to happen. Oh, yes. I'll make sure. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's been a pleasure, dude. Thank you. Thank you. And I will talk to you very soon.